Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. One who is full loathes honey, but to one who is hungry, everything bitter is sweet. Like a bird that strays from its nest is a man who strays from his home. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend, and do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. This is the word of the Lord. You may have a seat. And why don't you all give a flourishing grace welcome to Tom Hadzina. Thank you, John. Thank you. I want to thank John for preparing our hearts in worship, uh, the song selection, and just the way that he's led us through to prepare our hearts for our time in the Word this morning is, has been encouraging to me. Uh, let me take a moment and pray, and then we'll j- jump in. Father, we are grateful for your Word, and we're thankful for the way it accomplishes all that it's intended to accomplish in our lives, in our hearts, and our minds. God, I pray that we would, as we listen to your words, as we receive them, God, may we not just simply hear them, but be doers of them, that we would not let them fall on hard soil, but Lord, may we receive it as a kindness, as the sweet counsel, as our friend. Uh, God, and I pray that if there's anything that we are carrying, anything that's distracting us, Lord, that we would, uh, for the next few moments, be able to lay them down before your feet so that we'd be attentive to what it is that you have for us this morning. We pray for these things in Christ's name, amen. Well, you guys have been in a series, like John said, on kingdom wisdom and in spending time comparing the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of God as it's been revealed to us in the scriptures. The Proverbs is an incredibly great book uh, in terms of wisdom for life and relationships. Uh, Life is filled with relationships. You can't escape the fact that we have relationships with other people, uh, whether you like them or not. Hopefully you have more relationships that you like uh, more than relationships that you don't. Uh, I have been helped so much by uh, this proverb, uh, these sections of Proverbs. Our, our church is going through uh, the Psalms uh, during the summer, and uh, it's typical for churches to go through Psalms and Proverbs during the summer because it is just a good time to jump in, and you can jump back out and go uh, to some other texts in the scriptures like the Gospels or Epistles. But this morning, the text uh, is on friendship. It has to do with not just simply uh, friendship itself, but the wisdom of friendship and how to cultivate that wisdom for friendship. And so uh, as we look at this, uh, I want to give you an outline this morning, uh, five things. We're going to go through the verse. The, the verses break down pretty easily, and uh, I want to give you five things. And so here, I'm going to give you the outline first, and you can write them down. If you're a note taker, you can write these things down, and then I will uh, follow them up. But first, that Uh, We find that a good friend speaks grace and truth and love. That's verses 5 through 6. And then when we go to verse 7, we see that, number 2, a good friend is able to both receive and speak truth in love. Third, we find that a good friend in verse 8 knows contentment and shows self-restraint. Number 4, verse 9, a good friend entrusts you with their thoughts and plans, their hopes and dreams and visions and ideas. A good friend will be able to entrust you with that, and you will entrust a good friend with your own hopes and dreams. And finally, a good friend is one who lives close to you. And if there's anything that you forget, the, the one thing that I want to, uh, you to remember is this, that we have a great friend in Jesus Christ. 
In fact, dare I say, we have a perfect friend, that we can have a perfect friend in Jesus Christ. Proverbs opens up by saying in verse 5, chapter 27, verse 5, that a better is it is to have open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, and profuse are the kisses of an enemy. When we think about friendship, what enters your brain? What do you think about when you think about friendship? Uh, a few uh, months ago, I was listening to a sermon by Tim Keller, and uh, it was given in 2013, and he was talking about having friendship with God. In preparation for our series through the Psalms, I was listening to this sermon because he was talking about the ability to have a friendship with God and that friendship being cultivated through prayer, that the Psalms were a way that we cultivate friendship with God through prayer. And I was encouraged by that, and I was struck by the fact that I believe that Oftentimes, we can be Christians for some time, we can be in ministry for a long time, and things begin to feel routine. And, and most often, it's usually our relationship with God. In fact, when people ask us about our relationship with God, we, we speak of it as a relationship. But I would argue that we don't often lead with, I have a friendship with God. I have a friendship with God. My friendship with God sounds a little bit more intimate than simply just relationship. You can have relationships with a lot of people, but friendship that's different. That's different than just a, a mere relationship. And so Dr. Keller was speaking about the ability to have a friendship with God. And I began to be convinced that I desired to cultivate more of a friendship with God than simply a relationship with him. And so as we've been working through the Psalms at church in Newtown Square, and as I've been preparing for this time together, thinking about friendship has been very pertinent to my own heart and what God's doing in it. When we think about friendship, I think about relationships like uh, those in Monsters, Inc. Anybody familiar with Monsters, Inc.? Mike and Sully Wachowski. Mike Wachowski. Uh, uh, that's a, a good pair. Or think about uh, Toy Story, that Toy Story saga where the theme song, at least it was when the first Toy Story was, You've Got a Friend in Me. You know, You've Got a Friend in Me. It just sticks right there, right? I'm from the great state of Pennsylvania. Any Pennsylvanians in here? None. Oh, there, my son. Yeah, my son right there. He, we're from Pennsylvania. We are the Keystone State. Pennsylvania was the second state in uh, the colonies to, to join the Union, and it's known as the Keystone State because it is the, the keystone, the thing that keeps the northern colonies and the southern colonies together. Pennsylvania was founded by William Penn, and in 1980, uh, Pennsylvania had a marketing campaign, a tourism campaign that said, you've got a friend in PA. And they put on the license plates, they had t-shirts and buttons, and it was a referral to William Penn being a Quaker. And they were friends. They were, they were friends who were friends for those who wanted to worship in any way that they saw fit. And Pennsylvania is known for being a place where it's the beginning point for our nation's uh, emphasis on religious freedom. Quakers' friends were those who thought that if we want to worship the way that we ought to worship or want to worship, we need to let others have that freedom as well. And so Pennsylvania is that great state in which you have a friend in Pennsylvania. But when you think about friendship, what is a friend? What is a friendship? How do we cultivate a friendship? And here in this text, in verses 5 through 6, uh, we learn some nuggets of wisdom where cultivating friendship with one another uh, is key to having good relationships. In fact, Matthew Henry points out in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 17, that you shall not hate your brother, it says in the Mosaic law, in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. In other words, to give your brother 
wisdom was a good thing, if you held back the wisdom to your neighbor, if you gave them uh, a piece of wisdom for their life, if you gave them uh, secret counsel, some counsel for them, some, some rebuke, something that would be helpful for them, you were doing what God asked you to do. If you held it back, it'd be considered a sin. And some of the most painful things, when you hear the word rebuke, it's a little bit of a, sh- a heavy word, right? When you feel the word rebuke, that has a weight to it. Uh, some of the most painful things that I've had to hear have actually come from the mouths of those who I know love me most dearly. Uh, those hurtful things have been the most helpful because not everything that is hurtful to us is harmful. Things that are spoken to us can be hurtful for sure, and sometimes people levy things at us. They, they hurl insults at us or they say something about you that is hurtful to you that is intended to hurt you. But not everything that feels hurtful is always harmful. And it is the Proverbs wisdom here that when we are rebuked, in other words, when we are uh, told to go in a different direction, when there's something in our lives that doesn't resonate with the way that God would have us live, or a way that's helpful, or a way that's life-giving, this rebuke turns us towards life. In fact, it says in verse 6 that it is the faithful friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. So what does a friend do? A friend speaks truth to you so that you might have life, that you might be more like what God has intended. Friends aim to help you, and that's what God does. God speaks to us through his word, and sometimes the initial word is bad news about our relationship between uh, us and God, that there's something that separates us. Sin separates us from God. It needs to be, uh, it needs to be fixed. But that is a painful thing to hear. Yet there's, there's friendship behind that because he says, here's how you fix that. So also does a friend speak to you things that need to be fixed. My friendships with some of my best friends are those in which they speak truth to me. In fact, when I was a college student, I had a, a mentor in my life. His name was Tim. And Tim came alongside of me when I was eager to grow in my relationship with God. And one of the things that uh, he would do with me is he would sit and we would study the scripture he would buy me a meal because I was a poor college student. We would go on camping trips. In fact, to this day, I still have a relationship with Tim. But one of the first things that he revealed to me, and then uh, I had to wrestle with, was the fact that I was a fairly arrogant, cocky, self-righteous young man. Now, that was hard for me to see because I felt like I was, you know, the greatest thing since sliced bread, you know? And it wasn't until my wife confirmed that, what Tim said, you know, at the time I was dating uh, my wife, you know, actually, she had, she had actually seen that in me and broken it off with me. Uh, and I had to do some really wrestling that summer. Uh, there was a significant summer where Tim was revealing to me some of the things that needed to be fixed. And I asked Danae, my now wife, who was then my ex-girlfriend, I said, hey, if I change these things, is there a chance? And she said, we'll see. And so I said, so you're telling me there's a chance. Okay. <laughs> so I came back. And uh, I needed to fix a lot of things. And it was a long time because I realized that I was sarcastic. I was arrogant. And it would come out in different ways. And I had a friend that loved me enough to say, hey, you're kind of a jerk. And I had to know that he loved me because he spent enough time with me. It, it wasn't a, a random person in my life who just kind of came and said, hey, man, you're kind of a jerk and left. He stuck with me. He spoke truth. He rebuked me openly. Rather than hide his love for me, he exposed me to the things that I needed to see. Kingdom wisdom. Here's some kingdom wisdom nuggets for you. 
Kingdom wisdom is cultivating and maintaining friendships with those who can speak truth to you in love. You got to make deposits of love into that relationship. It means that you have to spend time, share experiences. That's why you gather around your small group table and you have meals with each. That's why you do life together for a long time. That's why you gather together as a church to get to know one another and to take time. Time uh, builds friendships. But over time, as you realize that someone loves you, that they're not just trying to hurt, harm you by saying things. They, they bring things up in your life that are helpful. A good friend speaks grace and truth in love. A good friend speaks grace and truth in love. As we move on uh, and look at the passages in verses 7 and 8, 7 and 8 have quite a few helpful things in regarding uh, the dynamics of, of cultivating good friendships. But... What unifies these two uh, passages, 5 and 6 and 7 and 8, I think is the continuation of the idea of receiving a friendly rebuke or correction. On the surface, it might look a little confusing, but let me help you uh, understand this a little bit. Let's look at verses 7 and 8. We go from hearing that an open rebuke is, uh, an open rebuke is good, and then a faithful, a faithful friend will, will wound us uh, with that truth. But verse 7 says, one who is full loathes honey, but to one who is hungry, everything bitter is sweet. Now, that might be like, what does that have to do with being rebuked? And, and some commentators will look at this passage and some, and I could be wrong, some would look at this and say, this, this is a different proverb. This is like another nugget of wisdom that has to do with self-restraint. It's all about like not eating too much. Uh, and being full, but also uh, not going too hungry. It's about contentment. It's about uh, self-restraint. That might be true, but as I've thought about this uh, on uh, the way here, uh, by the way, we took a road trip. It was a 24-hour road trip, and I had a long time to think. Wyoming is one of the worst states to drive across next to Kansas and then next to uh, the, the, the western Missouri, but I had a lot of time to think. And as I thought further on this section, I, I think that it, it might be better to see this as a continuation of the thought that, you know, listen to this, one who is full, one who is full loathes honey. One who is if full in the stomach, if you, if you go to Fogo to Chow or you have your belly's full with uh, barbecue or you have, the, you have just eaten a huge meal and you are absolutely full, you can't fit anything in there. When someone offers you a dessert, even if it's like, you know, the best dessert that you've ever wanted, you're not going to receive it. It's going to be like, oh, I can't eat anymore. The sweetness of that dessert no longer has its effect on you. In the same way, I think what they're getting at here, the writer is saying that when someone is full of themselves, that sweet counsel, that rebuke is not received as sweetness. It's bitter. It's, it, it might be life-giving. It might be good. It might be profitable. It might give you life. But when one is full of themselves, they don't want to hear what others have to say. Do you know someone who is like that? Perhaps maybe uh, you might recognize that there's a little bit of that in you. All of us sometimes are full of ourselves, and we think we know it all, but we don't. I have a son. It's not Jack. It's, he, it, there's only two of them that he, he can eliminate, but you don't know my sons. I have one son that is in a season of life who thinks he knows it all. I can't, he does, a dad knows absolutely nothing. He asks me a question, I'll answer that, and he'll be like, nah, that's not true. I'm like, what did you ask me the question for then? What is my purpose here in your life? In the same way, those who are full of themselves or of their own wisdom 
they lack the desire for the wisdom and the counsel from other friends. And I think that's what the Proverbs here is, this flow is getting at. But the one who is hungry, the one who desires truthful counsel, everything bitter, the hard to hear truths, is what? Is sweet. Truth is bitter sometimes. But if you're eager for counsel, and especially if a friend comes to you and says, hey, brother or sister, I see this in your life, and I know this is hard to say. This is hard for me to say, and this is hard for you to hear. But you need to hear this. And it might be bitter going down, but if you sit with it for a while, and then you think, you know what, they're right. They are, this, is, this is something that needs to be worked out in my life. It's sweet. It's life-giving. Word of advice, the Proverbs is saying here, don't be like the person who doesn't receive counsel from a friend. Good friends are able to both give and receive truth in love. Good friends also, in verse 8, it says, there's, this is another random one, and I think this is how the connection, like a bird that strays from its nest is a man who strays from his home. What does that have to do with receiving counsel? Well, I think that also has to do with the idea that uh, uh, nesting, a bird that has a home, uh, it, one that is always wandering, always looking for something better. The grass is always greener on the other side. Do you know people like that who are friends for a while with you and then they find a better friend or they, or they have a job and they're like, ah, I'm kinda, I'm not, I don't like this job, I want to move on. Or I don't like this state. Or They're always looking for something better, moving on. The worst is when you're talking to someone at a function like a, uh, a business function or maybe at a school social or or maybe even sometimes in, in gatherings in your neighborhood where you're talking to people and you're talking to them and there's that one person that seems interested but they're like looking at you and you're talking to them and like they're looking over your shoulder. Have you ever had that moment when you realize this person's not really listening to you? You know, where you're, you're talking and you're like, yeah, and anyway, so like, oh, how's your family? How's your, how's your job? And you begin talking they're like, and they're like, look, great talking to you. And they move on. You don't feel love, do you? There's not a friendship there. They're not content with where they're at and who they're with. There's always someone better to meet. Politics is kind of like that. We get sick of politics because politics inherently is, a, is an okay thing. It's, it's created by God. But one of the things that we loathe is the fact that we are people who are used, we are a means to an end, not the end itself. That, that God has created us to be in relationship with one another and to give life to one another, not to be a means to an end for our self-gratification or satisfaction. And that is what I think verse 8 alludes to. That birds that stray from their nest, they're always wandering. It's like a, a man who strays from his home. They're always looking for something more. And so uh, what I believe the third point there is that not only is a good friend able to speak truth in love, not only is a good friend able to receive truth in love, but a good friend who knows contentment is able to show self-restraint. When we are content, when we are content in the, the people that God has brought into our lives, the church that he's brought us into, the gift of being in fellowship with one another, I, this church is near perfect. I mean, our church is way below what Josh and you guys have done here. I mean, I'm, I would come to this church. This is great. But sadly, you're not perfect, right? Almost perfect, but not quite. Does anybody know what I'm quoting there? Shel Silverstein, his name, no? No, okay, never mind, moving on. Uh, we're, 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 we're a people who lack contentment. 
We, we search, search for more likes, more followers, more this, more that. We're, we're rarely content with where we're at, who we're with, and what we have. It's human nature. But a good friend is content. A good relationship is one in which you are content with one another in the presence with one another. Not that you don't annoy one another from time to time. Not that you don't have flaws. But a, a good friend of mine spoke some wisdom into my own life and said, you know what a good friendship is? When you can sit in the same room after all of the conversation has been exhausted and you still want to be in the same room. You can be quiet. You can be in long car rides with not, nothing to say. And that's okay because you're friends. You're content with who you are and where you're at. And the, the ability to show self-restraint from wanting to, to, to wander and to move away is the sign of a good friend. A good friend that hears counsel that is bitter doesn't wander to go find itching ear. They don't just go to find a friend that will tell them what they want to hear because we also do that. Paul tells Timothy that there will be people who will want to find teachers who will teach them what they want to hear. In the same way, I think sometimes we want to find friends who will just tell us what we want to hear, but that's not life-giving. That's not what God has intended. God desires to give us life and to give us truth. And that's what Christ has come to do. Christ tells us what is hard. He reveals to us the, the plain reality that we are sinful and separated from God and in need of a Savior. That's hard to hear. But yet the life-giving truth of that is that God is our friend and he reveals his counsel to us. And he says that I want you to have life and life to the fullest. So you got to hear the hard news before you hear the good news, which is the good news of grace in Jesus Christ. A good friend knows contentment and shows restraint. There's a few things we could pull out of here, like the ability to uh, be uh, balanced in our relationships. I think one of the things that contentment um, helps us to do is to not depend upon other people for our satisfaction or our significance. It is the balance between being too clingy and too distant. Friends who are too clingy, they're around you all the time. They're like, they need you all the time. They just suck life from you but never give life. That's not the life of a Christian. A Christian both gives life and, and receives life from one another. You, you, can, you can overwear your welcome. Uh, but at the same time, some of us pull away. We're, we we want to be too, di we're too distant. We're, we're never approachable. We never respond to our, our, anybody's texts. We... Uh, we kind of go off the grid. We, we, don't, we don't participate in gatherings. We, don't, we kind of show up and then disappear. And it's just easier that way because then I don't have to hear some sweet counsel from a friend. But we're either too distant or too clingy. And I think the balance is knowing when a friend, when we're content in our relationship with God, then we can be helpful in our relationship with one another. We can be content with how God views us. And then we can give life and receive life. And we neither need to be too clingy nor too distant. But I want to move on to verse 9. A good friend, verse 9, is able to entrust their thoughts with you, their plans, their hopes and dreams. Look at verse 9. Oil and perfume make the heart glad. And the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. The heart is glad when we smell uh, basically good scents. You know, this is a re reference. Oil and perfume might have been a reference to the temple worship, the incense that was there. It also it might be a reference to guests in a home. You know, when uh, Jesus would enter a home, they would clean their feet. You would, you would smell the scent of oil to perfume from a long journey. There, there might be some 
Um, you know, if ever, I, I love hiking. Josh and I hike. Utah is a great place to hike. If you hike for a few days and you don't put underarm deodorant and you come home and you lift those arms and you give someone you love a hug, you know, you're offensive to them and to yourself. Go take a shower, do something, light a candle, please, you smell. In the same way, this is the way that our hearts are made glad that a friend would come and give us their earnest counsel. They would, they would counsel with us. They would reason together. They would come with their thoughts and their ideas, and there would be a sharing of things that aren't necessarily shared with everybody. The blessing of having friends whose counsel is substantive, that, earn, that word there, earnest, that's translated, it has a substance to it. It's a weight to it. It's not like, hey, I'm kind of thinking about buying a Toyota or a Honda. What do you think? Well, who cares? Just buy a car. You need a car. But if you're thinking about like, hey, I'm seriously considering these things that I've been wrestling with. Can I share them with you? And then when they begin to open up and say, hey, my relationship with my spouse is really struggling. Can I, can I share some things with you? There's weight to that. Can I share with you my plans for the future? Can I share with you some ideas? You know, my family, my family is used to, I, I, uh, I have ideas all the time. Like, maybe we should do this. Maybe we should do that. And lovingly, my family, like skeet shooters like, or clay pigeon shooters, like, pull. Psh, there's dad's idea. Bam. They shoot it out of the air. That's what it feels like sometimes. It's like, here's an idea. But once in a while, one of those clay pigeons comes out, and it's actually, like, not a bad idea. And I'm shocked when they're like, hey, that's, that's actually might be something you want to pursue. I'm like, what? All right. In, this, in a friendship, what you don't want to do is have a friend where you say, hey, can I share my heart with you? And you're like, that's a dumb idea. Let me stomp on it. Or let me share that with you. Oh, that's great. And you never talk of it again. Sweet counsel is such that there's sweetness when you're with a friend and they say, hey, let me share this with you. Let me share this idea with you. Being a friend also is being someone who they can share plans with, that they can trust you. And again, it, all, it goes back to the beginning. It's like love, love and relationship. The ability to speak truth in love, that, that relationship that is rooted in love. Man, what a great friendship when you're able to entrust thoughts earnest counsel with one another. A good friend is able to entrust their thoughts and plans, their hopes and their dreams, their visions and ideas. Finally, a good friend, some wisdom, the Proverbs say in verse 10, that a good friend lives close to you. A friend that is, that is close to you is better even than a family member. Look at verse 10. Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend. Uh, and do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. Essentially, what that is saying is that not that familial relationships are bad or to be abandoned, but what they're doing is they're comparing the fact that you may have a close tie like family, but when you have a friend, when you have a friend where you have uh, not let the friendship grow cold, where you've not forgotten the counsel of friends of your father, or you've not forget the counsel of, of friendships who are close by, it's better to have a neighbor who is a friend, one who's living by you, than to have even a family member, a brother, who is blood uh, tied to you, who lives far away, that when you're in trouble, you can't turn to your neighbor, you can't turn to your friend, and your brother can't help you. The relationship of a friendship can be such that it is as close as a family member. And so cultivate those relationships. Don't let those relationships grow cold. 
Let me ask you a question. Are there friends that you can think of right now who you've not communicated with in some time that used to share sweet counsel with you, but now you've, you've let months go by and years go by, and now that if something were to fall apart or happen or you wanted their counsel, that the friendship has grown cold because you've not cultivated that? Is there a friendship that you have that needs some attention? You need to maybe reach out and to say, hey, I've not talked to you in a long time. Tell me about your life. What's going on? Because in those moments of calamity, of those moments of despair, those moments when you're turning to someone, if you've not cultivated relationship, let me tell you, you're going to feel alone. And the scripture is very clear that when we have the wisdom to cultivate relationship with one another in such a way that we can share sweet counsel and truth with one another, that's what primarily the church is for. Is for us that have a common relationship with Jesus Christ that we are to cultivate relationships where we can hear truth and share truth primarily from the scriptures and then with one another rooted in the scriptures that we are able to have that safety and confidence that when you come here, this is a safe place for you to say, man, I am broken. I am messed up. I am the first to be the one to admit that I do not have everything together and that I need Jesus Christ. Is anybody with me? And then, oh, I, do I hear some amens? Okay, that's exactly what that's supposed to, I like. I have a laundry list of things that I could tell you where I'm disappointed in my own heart just this week alone. And to trust you with that only happens when I know that you feel the same way in terms of your own brokenness and your own fallenness, but you have been gladdened by the, the truth of the gospel, that you are loved by God, that God is in fact a friend. Because uh, the main point is this, that the best of our relationships, the best of our friendships, even those fall apart, don't they? We have relationships with those who are close by. We have relationships with those who are far away. And sometimes our relationships and our friendships fall apart. They may have been because we spoke truth in a, in a rash way. Maybe, maybe we, we have something that we said that hurt someone. Maybe, maybe our spouse relationship, the relationship with our spouse, we haven't been paying attention to that. We haven't been speaking enough love uh, in order to pull some nuggets of truth or to speak truth. Uh, relationships break down. So when we think about being a good friend, here the Proverbs point us to the reality that Good friends speak truth and love. Good friends are the ones who share counsel. Good friends are the ones who can receive truth. Good friends are ones who are content with those who are placed in their lives. Good friends are ones that actually cultivate friendship. But we don't always do those things, do we? We don't always speak truth. We don't receive truth. We don't cultivate relationships. When I'm alone and I feel like I have uh, a friend, when I feel like I'm struggling, my, my heart and my mind go to the one friendship that I have, that I have in Jesus Christ. What, what greater friend do we have than in Jesus Christ? The one who tells his disciples, I don't no longer call you servants, but I call you friends, because a, a master doesn't reveal his plans to his servants, but he does reveal his plans to a friend. Jesus tells me the truth I need to hear. Tom, you're an arrogant, self-righteous sinner that is in need of repentance. And I love you. And I'm willing to, to pay the penalty for that. 
I want to restore that relationship that's broken because of your sin. I'm a sinner, Lord. Yes, you are. I don't believe it. Let me show you. Here's a replay. My heart convicts me, and I, I look to Christ, and he is my friend. Because not only does he tell me the truth that I need to hear and he gives me life, but he also shares his counsel with me. He tells me what is life like with him. He tells me what life is like without him. He reveals in the word. This is, this is the revelation of God. This is God's revealed word to us. God does not have to reveal his plans or his counsel with us, but he does. He says, let me tell you what life is like apart from me. Let me tell you what life will be like when you are restored with me in the resurrection, in the new life. All who are weary and heavy laden, come to me and I will give you rest. He reveals his counsel to me. He shares time with me. He's not bored with me. Do you know why he's not bored with me? Because he's content in himself. He doesn't need me for anything. I don't need to do some song and dance to come before him and then he'll listen. You know what he does? He's content in himself because he's good and loving, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, compassionate and merciful. What do I have to offer him? Nothing. But he invites me into his friendship and he says, Tom, let me sit with you for a while. And though I might be uncomfortable with it, he's not. I would argue that some of you feel like God is not content with you. That you have this, this relationship with God, not friendship, but you think that you're in relationship with him, but to sit with him, you have these thoughts that God is, he's not pleased with you, he's, you haven't done enough, he doesn't listen to you. When we sit with God, God is pleased with us simply because he's pleased with us. He chooses to be pleased with us. When we are in relationship with him through Jesus Christ, we can sit with him and he is content with us. You need not bring anything to the table because you can't. He's, he's already fine with that. He's my friend in that. And you know what? He's close by. In fact, he's so close that he says that his spirit dwells within us, the Holy Spirit the disciples say, Jesus, when are you going? He's like, don't worry, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But when I leave, I'm going to send a helper. And he's going to come and he's going to walk with you. And the Holy Spirit, in coordination with the word of God, God reveals his, his desires for us and then the spirit confirms us. And we walk together with God through this life in a manner that's worthy of the gospel of the grace of Jesus Christ who loved us as a friend. Jesus says, no man has a greater love than this, than what? He who lays down his life for a friend. And that is exactly what Christ has done for me. Though I was not a friend of Christ, he laid his life down for me. What good news is there? What a friend we have in Jesus. It's an old hymn. It's a great song. It's just, a, it's just the friendship of God. And so when the Proverbs give us wisdom about our friendship, when we cultivate our relationship with God in this way, and we know that he's our friend in that way, when we've placed our trust and our, our, our faith in Jesus Christ and call him friend, then we can be friends. That's the starting point for our friendship with one another. And then as we are friends with one another and with God, then the world sees that friendship and they want that friendship because they are longing for that same friendship as well. And then at some point in time, given the opportunity, you might share with someone in Bountiful Heights the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is God is our friend. Can I show you how you can start that friendship today? So let me leave you with this question. Is God, is Jesus Christ your friend? Is he your friend? Do you view him as your friend? 
Do you welcome his counsel? Do you welcome his presence? Do you seek him in times of calamity? They encourage you to seek God as your friend. And the kingdom wisdom, there's no greater wisdom than in seeking Christ. That's the kingdom wisdom. The kingdom is filled with people who are wise enough to seek the Savior and the King. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful that you revealed to us your word, the word given to us in the flesh, in the man, Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would soften our hearts to receive the truth that you indeed are our friend, that you can be our friend, that you speak truth to us, that you seek to be present with us, that you share your counsel with us, that you are close by to us. God, help us to be a people. Help Flourishing Grace to be a church that is known for their friendship with God and their desire to invite others into that friendship. We pray these things in Christ's precious name. Amen.